Welcome to a new episode of Bang Gong Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez, and I am joined at the moment by nobody, because this episode was recorded under slightly different circumstances than normal, where normally we will record these uh, episodes at one of our host Michael Beltran's restaurants in Coconut Grove. This time around, we took a field trip. So we had an opportunity to have Mike sit with, uh, as a guest for the podcast, Chef Jean-Georges Van Gerichten at the Matador Room, which is one of Jean-Georges' restaurants. This one in particular is at the Edition Hotel in Miami Beach. He was in town for the South Beach Wine and Food Festival uh, doing some press, and so we blocked out some time, and we didn't want to you know, um, use that time for things like these introductions and our shameless plugging and all of that. But you, you do benefit from getting to hear that stuff anyway. So, for those of you who are not aware, Jean-Georges Von Gerichten, legendary chef. He is a winner of the uh, James Beard Award. Uh, he has written numerous cookbooks. Uh, he has 40 restaurants all over the world that employ something in the neighborhood of like 5,000 people. And most relevant to this conversation and this podcast, as you will hear Mike mention, he did, uh, through his writing, influence Mike in in the early days of Mike's career. So uh, this was a, a very cool experience for, for everybody involved, and we are sure that you're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, so without any further ado here, this is Mike Beltran's conversation at the Matador Room with Chef Jean-Georges Bungerichten. Chef, welcome to Pancom Podcast. It's all good. You're good. That's <laughs> tough. Sorry. Um, I just come from the beach this way. Yeah, so um, a little bit different today. We're actually recording from the Matador Room in the Edition Hotel, and our guest today is Jean-Georges. Can you please tell me exactly how to say your last name properly so I don't say it wrong? So it's Jean-Georges von Gerichten. Oof. Von Gerichten. It means on the platter. Wow. When you translate from Alsatian to French That's or English, amazing. it means on the platter. That's so amazing. I guess I was predestined to serve food. It was meant to be. Yeah. So um, just uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for doing this. Thank I mean, you. me, myself, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time. Thank you, you know, very much. I started cooking when I was 19. Uh, your book was actually the third one that I bought. Uh, thank you. Behind my mentor, Norman. It was like the I bought both of his books, and then I bought yours third. Thank you. So uh, it's pretty amazing to be sitting here talking to you. Um, uh, how are you? I'm, I'm great. Yeah. On the end, we're just a bunch of cooks, you know? Yeah, we are. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No matter what we do. You know? I mean, that's what really brings, uh, that's what levels the playing field, right? I mean, exactly, exactly. We all love food. Uh, for me, it's like the, the understanding of being able to serve someone my food and my expression. And I mean, I'm sure for you it's the same. Same thing, you know. I think food today is very personal, right? To everybody, you know, to every chef. On, uh, you know, we here to please, right? Isn't it? Absolutely. So you're uh, in Miami for Sobe, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We've been yeah. doing this for the last five years now. Yeah. So it's been so great always to come here and to see our peers, see the chefs, and yeah. bring some new dishes to Madero Room and to market. And uh, for sure, and have some fun too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that the, the Sobe is like in the best i think climate of the year like the weather is the best in miami you can go outside it's not like hot it's absolutely just per like beautiful so unfortunately to escape new york oh yeah so it was not too cold but if you escape new york you come here 
and put your feet in the sand and yeah. see the local product and eat some stone crab and right. some local uh, you know Cuban sandwiches. It's oh, it's the best. Those are, that's <laughs> now now you're speaking my yeah. language. Yeah, right. So um, you arrived in New York in 1986. That's correct. Yeah. Um, in 1986. I, I can only imagine that the food scene was vastly different than it is today. It's totally different. You know, I was 29. I just came from uh, five years in Asia. Right. You know, Bangkok, Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan. Mm-hmm. On arriving in New York 86, was, uh, we had all the classic uh, old French restaurants. Like, uh, there's one left, La Grenouille. Mm. And at the time, was Lutèce, La Côte Basque, uh, Pavillon, etc. Mm. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a good time to arrive in New York because uh, the only place I was comfortable was Chinatown. Mm. After five years in Asia, right, you know the market at Union Square. There was not much going on, just apples and potato. Right. On uh, the only place I was like really comfortable was like all the colorful vegetables and fruits in Chinatown. Right. It put me back here to to Asia. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a com- I, I assume a super comfort zone. Yeah. And sure. then from a food perspective, w- when you arrived in New York in '86, what was the what was the plan? Like, what was day one plan? I mean, the plan was I was working for uh, a mentor chef, uh, Louis Outier from mm. Loisis. Mm-hmm. He's the one who brought me, bring me to New York. I was in Boston for a year before that. Mm. So arriving in New York, uh, I was cooking his food. I was 29, mm. cooking for like 14 years, but uh, about 13, 14 years. But I was really cooking. I opened 10 restaurants for him. Wow. All through Asia. On arriving in New York, I was cooking his food. And, uh, but the restaurant was not uh, that busy. Mm. You know, we opened in July, I remember, 10th of uh, 86. Only took about six months to really turn it around because it was, we were cooking, I didn't understand New York. Mm. You know, I arrived from Asia, from France, high-end restaurants. People were spending two and a half hours for lunch, mm-hmm. four hours for dinner. Right. Nobody has time in New York to spend two and a half hours for lunch and drinking. And Yeah, they're in and out. They're in and out. So they have an hour, you know, break. So it took me about a little time to understand that. The American way, the New York way right. of uh, serving two, three courses in, a, in an hour. Mm. So I got it quick, but yeah, you know, until we changed the menu on to make my mentor chef understand that you know nobody's gonna go for a testing menu for lunch. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's interesting yeah. now. I feel I, I see it more than I did uh, than you did ten years ago. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I feel like Miami's still getting there. The tasting oh, menu. Miami is great. The, the food scene is amazing. It is, I mean, and, and that's something else um, before I, I get to that. So let's say from 86 to now in New York, first of all, when did you fall, did you like have an aha moment with New York that you loved it and that you're like, this is, I, I love being here. I want to be here for a, a long period of time. You know, when I arrived in Boston, uh, Boston was even uh, in a, not that many restaurants either. So right. coming to New York, the first time I came for a weekend, I said, wow, what I'm doing in Boston, right. which I lost Boston now, but at the time was uh, the hotel I was working in was in a combat zone mm. uh, in uh, Boston. So arriving in New York for a weekend, I was like, my goodness, this is like the city I want to be in. Mm. You know, and, uh, all the restaurants were busy, mostly Italian, very few Japanese restaurants in, in town in 86. In New York? In New York, yeah. Wow. So uh, I saw there was an opportunity for, for me to come in and to bring a style of food. Mm. Then I... So the first six months I was cooking uh, my mentor food, Chef Outier, so lots of cream and butter. Mm. A little too French for New York. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. Yeah. But uh, I feel like we're back in butter now. Yeah. <laughs> Swimming in butter. Yeah. But um, so uh, when I understand the, the, the speed, uh, the food had to be on the, the, the lightness on, you know, coming from France, I feel like people were going to restaurants for an occasion. Mm-hmm. On, in New York, was eating at home was an occasion. 
Right. Going to a restaurant was every day. Yeah. So I had to change my my head a little bit and really make everyday food mm-hmm. tasty, but fast and uh, easy and understandable. You know? Do you find that you you're doing that even now today? I do, of yeah. course, absolutely. Yeah. Even if it's you know a high end product or right. whatever it is, and it's just you know people uh, have less and less less passions for you know to to eat, especially lunch. Right. Yeah. Um, they want it fast. The flavor have to be boom, on uh, you know. Right. It has to has to be full impact. Yeah, for sure. This episode of Pankom Podcast is brought to you by Agonorsa Leaf. Agonorsa Leaf are the makers of excellent cigars that stand out because of the distinctive flavors of their own Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists Oof. in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. Oof. Oh, baby. Wow. <laughs> that was impressive. I'm telling you, I'm an impressive kind of guy. Yeah. I, I, I have a lot of practice at this. You're great at the reading. Oh, man. <laughs> the Agonorsa portfolio of cigars includes JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, and Casa Fernandez cigars. You carry some of these uh, at Ariette in the humidor there. We do. I, I believe we carry three in our humidor currently. So t- tell me a little bit about why why cigars at Ariette. What was the... You know, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of cigars i mean i started smoking cigars a long time ago but it's really the the community of cigars it really feeds into the whole ideology of ariette and it furthers that conversation that ariette is like a an experience only miami can curate and uh i think cigars are a big part of that you know we're we've been working for a while on creating like a cigar area in the restaurant and you know just like having that that option for people to be able to go outside and have a drink, smoke a cigar, and maybe eat a little snack or, you know, just really just hang out. I, I love that idea. And that's why cigars are a big deal to me. Okay. You're talking a lot and these people paid for 60 seconds. I know. <laughs> you know what? You got to show me a little more money for that. Aganorsa was founded by Eduardo Fernandez. Uh, that guy, by the way, there's a food connection, was one of the founders, along with his brother, of Telepizza in Europe. So if you've ordered a pizza delivery uh, to your hotel or something in Europe, good chance that you ordered it from Telepizza. Eduardo Fernandez uh, went on to uh, create Aganorsa, uh, and they are making some of the best cigars in the world, thanks again to that Corojo and Criollo that they are growing there. Among other things, they make the Casa Fernandez Miami Aniversario, which, by the way, is so named because it is made in Miami. They've got factories in Nicaragua and Miami. Uh, it's an ex- a blend of exclusively those two varietals, Corojo 99, Criollo 98, perfect for the experienced smoker to celebrate those special moments in life, like going to Ariette, you know, getting your duck pressed, and then you get a, you know, you, you uh, get a cigar after, maybe, I don't know, possibly. Show me the money! Only Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf, go smoke them. I find it interesting that, uh, I mean, New York, the the food and the culinary scene has been around much longer than Miami. Miami's still pretty young. We've seen, like, you know, like my mentor, Norman, made a huge change in Miami 20 years ago. Amazing, amazing. Um, and, you know, and then uh, my former boss, Michael Schwartz did the same. And then now we have like a whole other kind of like wave of younger chefs that are doing the same. And what's really the the truest thing is quality of product is that what everyone keeps talking about is like, you know, 
your expression is your expression, but it's the quality of product that really makes it shine. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that with like that Asian uh, flavor and influence, like that, sh that's definitely like the number one thing that I always hear recurring over and over and over again. <laughs> it's just like, you know, the product needs to be pristine. You know, wherever you get it from, wherever you have to, to make sure that it's like the best of the best absolutely. of the best. I mean, you're in the ocean here, so you have, uh, right. you know, I've always been a fan of uh, Stone Crab here on the yeah. The, the Florida snapper on oh yeah you know the Miami on all the beautiful fish around here so so what brought you to Miami? I mean uh, I came on the food festival the first time I was probably uh, over ten years ago twelve mm -hmm. years ago they honored me they honored me here so I was very pleased and uh, when I become very friendly with uh, Inchrager mm -hmm. in New York yeah only two years before we opened this opened up for five years he approached me and said listen I want to really uh, you to be involved in a in my projects, mm. I just took over the the Seville Hotel, which has a lot of soul and a lot of tradition. You know, it's from the fifties. Mm. When I, I came here to visit, and uh, I saw Miami always had that that soul, you know, that Spanish yeah. soul, and mixed with the uh, America, mixed with uh, a little bit of everything, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think the the is it felt like New York, but on the beach, you know, like uh, right. New York has a soul. I think I felt Miami has a, the right soul and the right as well people coming from everywhere here for the nice weather but as well now they're really coming for the food yeah you know thanks to norman thanks to yeah schwartz thanks to uh all of yeah, the chef you know the uh, the people who really like uh they kind of set they trailblaze for younger people like myself that's right, that's right. um i mean i came often because i have a, I had a great friend he passed away uh, recent, uh like five years ago but carrie simon you remember mm -hmm. carrie worked for me on and he was a chef here he had a, he had a restaurant here Wow, and then, uh, so I come often, you know, to visit him and uh, have fun here in Miami. He's always been a well. Great there's place. always lots of fun to have here. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Why, that's why I love to come here for yeah. three, four days. And, uh, and uh, I think in the in the five years here in Miami, have you seen um, clientele change? Like, what what are the trends that you've seen just in that small sample size of five years? I mean, a huge amount of uh, new restaurants, uh, new mm -hmm. clientele from Europe, from uh, all over the world. I think people are coming here for, you know, because of the the good restaurants, great hotel, the sun, the fire, oh, yeah. the, the weather, the weather. It's, it's a, well, it, it's it, you said it like um, yeah. New York. I didn't go for the first time to New York. I mean, I've lived, I born and raised here in Miami. Oh, sorry. yeah. So, um, like, I didn't go to New York for the first time until I was like probably like six or seven years ago. And just like Miami, I mean, it, it's got its own personality. It is a living, breathing thing, you know. Like to be a New Yorker, it's a, yeah. it's a certain type of person. Just like to be a, a true Miamian, it's like a certain type of person oh. dealing with different types of cultures okay. and backgrounds. And I think that really affects the food scene, you know. And you see that reverberate through the food. And Oops. New York is just like so, so much. It's such a small place. You know, we have. I knew Florida before I knew Florida because when I arrived in '86, uh, the first. I mean, still now we're buying a lot of product from here. Mm. You know the all the citrus. Oh yeah. You know I was looking for, when I arrived. I was looking for frog legs coming from France. Ah yeah. So we're buying the frog legs from the Everglades. Oh, I they're love wild. That. They're amazing. Amazing. The hopper shrimp. The, the you know all the product you have here. So yeah, frog legs. We had. Um, it's. The, but my last job when I worked for Michael, Schwartz, the we had frog legs on that menu. It's the the best dish. Yeah. The, like the my <laughs> absolute favorite dish on that entire yeah, menu. And then, you know they they still wild. They still uh, yeah. still find them. So it's a so the product. I know Florida from the product first, right. and then I can visit. And uh, it was beyond, you know, to to come here on, uh, you know, the climate, the so close to New York. Mm. So yeah, close. I mean, it's two hour flight. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
in, I mean, 33 years, 86 to now, um, I mean, how the, the expansion that you've had to be able to keep up that quality, that standard, to keep your sanity also, which is very important. That's how to keep. <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, yeah. um, I say that jokingly, but understandingly, you know, we, I opened my first restaurant four years ago and now we have three and, uh, you went fast. Wow. Yeah. We, I've been very fortunate, like blessed the last like year and a half to have some heavy expansion and like people really like our stuff, but like to keep the sanity and the standard and just the execution it, to me, it's, that's the biggest battle. Yeah, but it's, I, feel, I feel it's all about the, the crew, the, the people you have For around sure. you, you know. So it's all about the young talents who are pushing, pushing behind you. Mm. I mean, when I arrived in New York, I was the same, in the same place for five years. Then I opened my first restaurant in 91, Jojo. Mm -hmm. And my dream was to open one restaurant for the rest of my life. I'm going to be there, do the restaurants. And I was, after six months, I was like, my God, are we really going to stay the whole my, rest of my life in right. the place? I need to open a second one. Then we opened Vong, which is, was Thai French. And then uh, I never stopped. Yeah. Today we have 40 restaurants around the globe. 40. Yeah, on uh, from uh, Shanghai, Tokyo, Singapore, yeah. Guangzhou. All of I, I worked for uh, Richard Hales that worked at Vong yeah. for two years, and he would tell me stories of Vong all the time. When we were, <laughs> I hope it was good. <laughs> no, they were good. <laughs> they were good stories. They yeah, were good yeah. stories. But yeah, that's where the kind of the legend of Jean George in my brain grew. Um, but Richard was a great guy. He spoke very highly of you and oh, and his experience there for two years. Yes. So. I mean, that that idea, I mean, 40 restaurants, and you're talking about all over the world. Yeah, from uh, Europe to all the way to Middle East, uh, Asia, everywhere, you know. And to find the crews for 40 restaurants of that kind of caliber must be the most difficult thing, I believe. I mean, it's actually, we attract, uh, like I said, a lot of young talents, but, you know, we, we were a global company, but we try to be local in content. Mm -hmm. You know, like opening Matador here, the edition is really... Well, no, we, have, we have some Asian influence, mm. Spanish influence. So it's like Spain, but Spain uh, traveling on the South America, you know, right, from right. Puerto Rico all the way down to Mexico, Colombia. Right. So this is inspired. You know, we have taco, guacamole on the menu. We have all kind of things there. So Interesting. It's fun. So uh, I, want to, I really want to embrace the local community and really be on find the local, local talent. You know, we find yeah. our chef E.K. here. Amazing. She's from Turkey, but she, you know, go up in Florida here. She's a... Um, a rock star. On. Yeah, I think I think Florida's got a, I mean Miami's got a bunch of hidden gems talent-wise. Oh, a pool of talent, uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean that's the only thanks way to all the chefs around here. You know? Yeah, that's the only way that we can really yeah. grow and continue to like stake our claim in in the country because Miami is so young in the food industry. Like you know, just pushing our own envelope and just saying, hey, you know, we're down here also. Yeah, it's yeah. really because we have some special people down here. No, you know, for sure. And I think you know training. They go from restaurant to restaurant, and then after five, six years, they they're ready to be sous chefs. They're ready to right. be chefs on a drive. On a, it's for us to believe that uh, they can do it. On a, for sure, we put a lot of trust, and um, they understand the product. And that's the only way we can do this around the world. Right, you know, we have um, one community. I feel like the the, the chef and restaurant community. Yeah. So when just I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around like forty <laughs> restaurants, you know. I know it's a and I just because I deal with. Four on a on day. On 40 like. restaurants, uh, it's about 5,000 people. Oh. <laughs> I just, and you know, like every every couple of days, I check to see how many employees we have in the company. Yeah. So I could only imagine 5,000. Yeah, we have about 2,200 in New York, and then uh, the rest got around the globe. 
Right. So it's it's not easy to keep in touch with everyone, but uh, yeah. How much do you find yourself like traveling? Like how much? What percentage of the year are you traveling? I travel about a week to ten days a month. Mm. On the rest, I'm in. Uh, I stay put in New York. You know, oh, that's not, I still cook yeah. six hours a day. Believe it or not. Well, I mean, it's my therapy. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I totally, I totally, totally believe that. I just, yeah. um, I need, I need that. You know, I'm not doing accounting. That we have people to do that, which is the best. You know, you have people doing. Everybody does their job, and uh, I still enjoy, uh, you know, cooking and come up with dishes and do things. You know. So conceptualizing of dishes. Yeah. Because yeah. I know you know talking about going from location to location, how it kind of takes a piece of that location or that region, that territory, if you will, and kind of consumes that into a menu along yeah. with what you're known for. How, how does that process work for you? Like, does it, do you go for uh, produce first? Do you go for protein first? I mean, it depends, you know. I mean, uh, I mean, the inspiration, of course, for me is traveling, mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, I was traveling around the world before I opened my own restaurant. But for, for example, coming to Miami, we bought about a dozen new recipe for EK to test, and she has a few things to for us to test as well. Mm. And then uh, we go out, we eat around, and we come back with uh, 24 new ideas too. Right. So traveling is really my inspiration. Like going to Singapore, on eating around, I come back with like 50 new things I want to do. Mm. When I drop a couple of dishes as well to uh, things we do in New York that fit. Uh, they try it as a special. But today, you know, with the world communicating, it's very easy. Mm. You know, whatever special we do in New York, we send them a video in Shanghai or in uh, Singapore or London, Paris, whatever it is, on uh, Miami. And then, uh, you know, there's no there's no time. Right. The only time uh, difference is uh, the jet lag. Time. Yeah, yeah. The rest is, uh, is very... It's very close, you know? Yeah, everything is instant now. Instant, instant. Everything is like instant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could find out, you could get a recipe in seconds. We have a chef in Singapore. Yesterday she sent us a couple of specials she was doing. We tested them in New York. Perfect, go ahead. You know, it's it's a global uh, yeah, it's connection a global. with the food, you know? Yeah, so I, I, I still find it fascinating, 40 restaurants. I mean, that's just <laughs> so many, you know? It's a lot, but it's in 46 years of uh, oh, yeah. working. No, so I, 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 yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you opened three in two years. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know where you're going to be in 10 years from now. But <laughs> oh, no, I'm, go I'm, good. I'm good for a while right yeah, now. I'm yeah, good for a while. But you uh, know what? The hardest part for me was to open the, the second one. Because I feel when you, you open a restaurant, uh, Jojo, I opened Jojo, I was there, day or night, seven days a week. Then I opened the second one. So you feel like you're losing a little piece of yourself. I'm sure you experience that as well. 100%. On the day you accept that, you're losing 20% of yourself. So for me, my job now is to close that gap from 20% to 10, 8, 5. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're only the only one who see what's missing or what's going on, but the customer sometimes don't see it. But uh, right. closing that gap, it's uh, the hardest part. Yeah, it's it, that's interesting. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> like the life I've lived the last six months. We went, yeah. we opened up... Uh, our seafood concept and then you know my first restaurant which is like my child you know awesome, awesome. blood sweat and how tears. can you let your child uh, go away yeah you can't and, you know they're right next to each other yeah, yeah. We, we we built them right next to each other so when you are bridging like, the gap you know yeah it was like blood sweat and tears you know yeah. the days that nobody walked in there in year two and then uh, year <laughs> three and four all of a sudden people remembered we were there and yeah, yeah, yeah. but then to go and then come back and it's like it's it's got a different portion of you. For sure, for sure. You yeah, it's about letting go a little bit and you know trust the people you put in charge. Yeah, well, that might be the hardest part. Yeah, which is hard, but with time he goes. He goes for sure. Well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I, I guess what would you tell yourself now, when you were twenty nine? What advice would you give yourself now, and what advice would you give younger chefs 
you know, it's all uh, the advice for me is uh, it's all uh, you have to follow your passion, follow your what you want to do, your dreams. I mean, for me, on the beginning was opening my own restaurant, the first one, mm. and that was it. But then, because I opened ten restaurants for somebody else around the world, right? You know, Bangkok, Singapore, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Geneva, Portugal, London, uh, Boston, New York. After opening all those restaurants, I couldn't stay in one spot. I had to, uh, you know, on constantly I need to travel, going to Asia four times a year, going to Europe four times a year, coming to Miami, going to any place we go, LA. It's a source of inspiration for me, so I always learn something when I travel. Mm. You know, I feel like if I stay in New York, I get stale. Right. There's so much going on. Yeah. But it's good to step away and travel to the other destination I have to really learn new things and new product, new ingredients, and you know. A different approach. Yeah. Absolutely. How other people approach food. Absolutely. I just went to uh, Montreal for the first time. I mean, I'm sure you saw a lot of things. Amazing. So. It was incredible. The food was incredible. The people were great. The every country, every city, every yeah. continent has something to offer to yeah. to learn. So some people, as a young chef, uh, sometimes people want to stay in one region and cook from the from the soil, from the region, and admire that. Mm. For me, uh, my palate is a globe. Right. So I want to be everywhere. Right. <laughs> I find it... Um, just the last year I've traveled more than I, I have previously. You're getting ever. there, you're getting the bug. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, you, I, I just see it and I see like, I, yeah. I think it pushes like our menus, our company more because you, you see what other people are doing and what, you know, like, well, you know, weaken that product and this and then, you know, the way they set their table and the way that, you know, like all those things to me, it, it you just walk into a space differently. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're digesting information a little bit differently. So, um. I, I find it incredible. Like traveling really has been a, a big it's, game changer. It's such a source of inspiration, you know, just stepping away, come back. And when you come back to your place, you see what's missing. Right. You see the dust in the corner. You, yeah. You, you stay fresh. Yes. You stay fresh. You stay uh, smarter, I think. You stay, uh, you know, alert of yeah. what's going on. And, uh, I'm going to Paris for, for my first time ever. There you go. Yeah. I'm pretty. If you need a list. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to need a list. I'm going to yeah, need a long one. <laughs> I, get, I get you. Uh, yeah. How long gonna, you'll be there for? For, like for a, 10 days. Oh. Yeah, it's gonna be. I have a long list for you. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be good. And I, you're gonna come back with like your head's gonna be spinning. And and for me, like food is all based out of like French cooking, but you know my palate is Cuban, being my background being Hispanic. Amazing. So yeah. it's just our, our food is very weird. So I'm excited to experience like that, like yeah, what it's really well, the like. Foundation, uh, yeah, the foundation, yeah, the foundation, foundationary cooking, yeah, 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 yeah. which is exciting to me. Yeah, fantastic. Um, <laughs> I, I think you know to kind of like get to an end part here um you've seen a lot in your years um you know you've seen kind of like the birth of uh, i guess peak of like newspapers journalism and then now we're in this whole like social media it's age and how like how you mentioned how quickly information is transferred from one person to the next um you know, like, how have you, how do you feel like that's really, ha, has it been a positive effect? Has it been a negative effect? And, and to that point, the, the way that people communicate about food, you know, whether it be positive or negative, like, how have you really been able to, uh, how has that, how have you dealt with that? I guess is a good. I mean, it was a uh, different in the beginning for me, you know, because uh, it was like, you know, people was, you know, people word talking, of mouth, word of mouth yeah, yeah. on today's, uh, it's watching everything, you know? Yeah, it's quick. And I feel like the Instagram alone is like, it's all food. Right. It's all food. There's so many foodies out there. There's so many people sharing their experiences. So we are on constant alert now. Oh. If you think about it, you know, before. Always. You have to worry about the New York Times or 
the Miami Tribune, you have to worry about a Michelin, this and this and that. And today you have to, everybody is a critic. Everybody oh. has his own mind. Everybody has his own uh, way of, uh, you know, communicating. Uh, so presentation, flavor, people uh, are into it. And you, better, you, you have to listen to it, you know? Yeah. When you, when you get a negative review, like what is your instant, do you sit down, digest it and just move on? Or is it something that you just kind of... I don't know, cause like me, I like I have anxiety from like Yelp yeah. and all these things. Like Absolutely. it just, it's just like it really drives me nuts. It's insane. It's insane, it's insane right? I think you have to respond. You have to take it as a as a plus because it's gonna make you only better. Right. So uh, I share with the team whatever location it is. With we had an accident, somebody overcooked something or mm. whatever it is. The, the flavor combination was not the the liking of the person, but you start to you know respond and. Be a man about it. Yeah, <laughs> just, push know, forward. Yeah, exactly. I said, sorry about that. We invited, we tried to invite your guests back and uh, give them a better experience. And uh, but you know, it's all positive. You know, usually, and, 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 and you can you can curate every palette the same way. You know, uh, that is one hundred and fifty percent. So sometimes you just have to you know say um. But if you have a few people repeat the same thing, then maybe maybe you know, yeah maybe um, my dish is wrong or yeah. you know something is wrong with the consistency of that uh, restaurant or you know. Right, or the, pod, or the product, or the whatever it is, you know. I've done uh, a decent job. I, my managers read things, and then they come to me with things because if I read them, it would just keep me up at night. Yeah, so. it's. Uh, but it I think you have to look at it in a positive way, and really, just you know, it's a good. Uh, I mean, whatever kid, you know, I missed something. My chef was like, "Oh, what is this?" You know. Right. So I feel like my customer today are guiding you to a in a better way, you know. Yeah. So, so and then on the on the opposite side, what did it feel like winning Michelin stars? It's crazy. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Yeah, well, I that's, mean, a, that's a, the top. And but everything is important for me today. That's why uh, social media is important. Uh, all the newspaper is important. All the guides from the Zaga to Michelin to I mean everybody. Mm. Like you know, everything you mentioned is so important for us. You know. Yeah, I mean it. It really, it's like a, it's full circle. You know, it, it, I feel everything from yelp to a michelin guide in today's world it's, it's it affects yeah, your yeah. your pocket your bottom line the totally. way you operate your business yeah, everything. Yeah, good instagram would bring uh, 10 new customers or more whatever yes. it is so or a tweet whatever it is so i think today it's uh, it's all about you know keeping an ear yeah know? i think just having a steady understanding of all of it because you're never gonna i mean you're never gonna be understand all of it i think you can it's just so many so much to learn so much to right experience so much to give experience to people so right it's never gonna be uh, there's no end of it right you know well i mean this has been amazing thank you so much i um, think i can't thank you enough for for doing this um i know you're busy 40 restaurants and it's such a, it's a busy program <laughs> yeah it definitely is yeah. um I just I want to thank you for inspiring so many of us. Thank you. Thank you know you. it's. Um, and so are you inspiring? Uh, oh, that's the, the, the new generation. Generous. So it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's important. Yeah. That we continue that. Uh, you know, I was inspired by my my mentors, and I think uh, you know they were inspired by Fernand Poirier and other people. And right. So it's like we continuing the the legacy of food. I, I feel it important because uh, I I love like very old food. So I all my cooks I'll give them some of my books as long as they return them. <laughs> and it's like to be able to get them to understand that food had so many variations, not just like molecular or, you know, Noma style cooking, you know, that it went back to cream and butter from back in the day and, you know, oofs and gelée and yeah, things yeah. along those lines. Um, 
I think it's important. Yeah. But it made sense at the time, you know, the food was so complicated back in the days because, and so technical because people went to a restaurant to, to eat something they couldn't do at home. Right. You know, so it was important for the, wherever you go, they were doing things that seemed impossible almost to do at home. You know? Right. It would take two days. So yeah. And then now they could just Google the recipe. Yeah. On the stair. <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. Like for me, uh, when I was, um, I had to go to Asia to learn about the food. Right. In 1980, I was the first, uh, my step in Thailand. You know, for me, uh, I don't have, a, I had to go to a bookstore to find yes. out about spices and things. Today, you Google tamarind. It tells you where it goes. There's like 30,000 recipes attached to it. Right. How to use it, how to do it. Where to buy it. You know, so for me, it was a little more like, I had to go there to get it. Yeah, like you can go to about lemongrass, some ginger there. And you China. can go to Amazon, buy the book, yeah. buy tamarind, buy tamarind concentrate, <laughs> and you can just do all that, and it'll be at your house. I'm gonna get delivery by Amazon yeah, the next day. By tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow by three o'clock. And I have a recipe. I get the product. Yeah. So the first time I saw fresh ginger, I had to go to Thailand. I'm from Alsace. There was nothing uh, like it. You know? Really? Yeah. Wow. The only herb I know in Alsace was parsley. <laughs> yeah. so, you know. Well, just like growing up in Miami, I, I did a dinner in Cleveland. A good <clears throat> friend of mine has a couple of restaurants there. And it was the first time I ever saw an apple on a tree. Yeah. I tell people this reference all the time because it still blows my mind. Wait, I was so standing was in a box? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I was standing in this um, apple orchard and I was like amazed. And then my buddy was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I've never seen an apple on a tree. Wow. I mean, this is like, this is mind blowing yeah. to me. But it's, you know, I grew up with oranges, mangoes, you know, mame papaya yeah. which yeah. is all amazing yeah. uh just very different you know so i only grow up with apple on a tree not yeah a, not mango yeah me. plantains yeah, yeah. i love plantains too so it, cool. it's just um it's interesting to see where the food world is going and how it's changing and how we have to adapt with the time every week month day we have to raise the bar every day that's right that's right and thank you again chef I thank you so much thank you for having me yeah awesome all right, as always, thank you for listening to Pang Kong Podcast. Uh, this is where I'll give you some of the shameless plugging that we normally would just do together with the flow of the interviews that we do. Uh, you can follow Chef Jean George on Instagram at Chef JGV. So he's Chef and then his initials, JGV, on Instagram. Uh, all kinds of great photography of the dishes from his restaurants and his own you know, personal uh, adventures in food and travel and what have you. So go check him out, tell him we sent you, follow his stories, all that good stuff. Uh, you can follow Mike on Instagram at P-I-G-I-N-C, that's Pig Inc. on all the social media things. His restaurants on Instagram are Ariette Miami, uh, Timeout underscore Lenya, Nave Miami, Chugs Diner. You can follow, finally, Pankum Podcast, find past episodes of the podcast and all the rest of that at dademag.com slash podcast. We are Pangong Podcast all over all the social media things. It's a podcast sandwich. So hard to forget. Uh, finally, if you are not already uh, supporting us on Patreon, consider doing that. It can be as little as a buck a month. Uh, your support goes a long way and also gives you special access to certain content that only people who are supporting dademag.com on Patreon can get some exclusive video content, uh, access to some giveaways. So one of our listeners slash readers recently won a signed copy of Chef Michael Schwartz's cookbook, Genuine Pizza. So for as little as a buck a month, you're supporting what we're doing. It's uh, it's it's all good stuff. Uh, 
I mean, think about it. We're giving you like four hours of podcasting entertainment. Like This is high quality stuff every month, plus all the other stuff we're doing. So uh, for a buck, you could, uh, you know, you could really, you know, go a long way, help support the stuff. All right. So again, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, regardless of whether you're a patron. And uh, on behalf of Michael Beltran, Carlos Carluba Rodriguez, and Petey the Dog, this is Nick Jimenez signing off. Until next time, take care.